What is going on? It's going to Crew 3 Podcast. Everyone's Ruckman with me as always are my co-host Ricky and the rootinest tunis cowboy in the wild, wild west, Mr. Chris Klein. I tip my hat. I tip my hat. Not to Ricky, who's I didn't spend $75 on this. Uh, They were $60, please. Uh, State taxes. They were like $65. We paid them cash, so there was no, you know, it was was frictionless, you know? It was under the table. The real joke is that in the state of Texas, cowboy hat's a necessity and is untaxable. That's That's right. right. It's It's a right. Right. It's right. I'm putting this on my taxes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically, it was a business expense. So I will probably list this on my taxes. There we go. Oh my exactly God. right. I'm going to sit over here with my top eight pins. I've got them over hanging up on my yeah, all my qualifications. I'm sitting over here with my. <laughs> uh, for those at home, I just for those uh, not watch the video version of this episode, uh, I just held up a. Uh, a card that just kind of in range and value from like four hundred to like eight hundred dollars, depending on who's buying it, really. Because uh, we, we we are all in on Grand. This is now a Crew Three at Grand Archive podcast. Yeah, thanks right. to our uh, whoever put that question asking us about Grand Archive. Yeah, Fo- Fo- Foam saw me in the in the Discord asking about the the set, and he's like, "Yo, Ruckman's here. You guys are all in, huh?" I'm like, we bought like seven boxes this weekend. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're seven uh, seven boxes in, three or four Grand Crusader rings. We got it, we got it going on. Yeah, so we'll probably talk about uh, Grand Archive, probably Patreon this this month, and then uh, probably do some content. We'll, we'll see what happens. I. This gives me a lot of fun, and uh, but I would go into this as I would talk more about this game. But we have a lot to cover this week because Ooh, not only do we have our own DreamHack experiences to go over, but there were five regional championships, a 10k and a 5k, and then uh, Mr. Yahi on uh, on Twitter put out a wonderfully massive and extensive matchup matrix that we're probably not going to get into, but I do want to talk about what kind of. Uh, shove people in that direction for when they don't want to talk about matchups now because uh, I think this is going to be a pretty definitive uh, meta meta matrix for a while now. Um, so before, like I said, before we talk about uh, just what happened with those regional championships, let's talk about our DreamHack experiences, shall we? I filled out the uh, DreamHack survey today. I need to go do that still. Uh, everything top tier except I ranked it the lowest DreamHack experience, and said they needed to make Magic more of a part of DreamHack. Yeah, so I mean, I think the biggest thing I think this is a pretty well complaint is that uh, again, DreamHack was great. Uh, at least me personally, I think Magic was the the worst part of DreamHack, um, just because of how separated it was from the rest of DreamHack. Um, to, to put it in perspective, uh, they had the first like four main halls of the massive K Baylor Hutchinson Arena or conference conference center, and then that was for all of Main Dream Hack. They had some big side rooms for the BYFC area, and then underneath in the meeting rooms, they had areas they were doing like check ins for and stuff like that. But you had to walk all the way to the end of the convention center into the connecting hotel to get to the magic area. And I just don't understand why the meeting rooms downstairs wouldn't have been big enough to fit magic in that way. You don't have to walk like it was like a three minute walk. Yeah. It was like a three to five minute walk 
Um, it was a little ways away. I wrote a little notes down here to try and remember better um, about the weekend. And that was one of my points as well, was that I thought magic was, I like it that it was separate because the noise I think was too much. I don't like how DreamHack, um, it's an amazing event, first of all. It was it was absolutely yes, fantastic. I, I mean, once again, thank you to have them for inviting us out there. I mean, when I was in the actual festival proper, time of my life, awesome time with the guys. It's always great seeing that stuff. Watching all the fighting interns, watching Rocket League, trying to understand Rocket League um, right. and getting a degree in physics on the spot was, was pretty intense. Uh, of course, Chris and I had a wonderful time with the wrestling stream, which will be posted for our Twitch vlog up to YouTube um, later this week. So keep an eye out for that uh, over the weekend. And I'll, of course, repost. Uh, I, I don't think I'll put commentary over it, uh, but I will post the uncut version of the Elspeth versus Elish Norn match that we didn't get to watch in its entirety during the stream. But I think that the the organization system, um, I wish everything would have been a little bit more separated, but those halls are so big, there's no reason there couldn't have been like, hey, if you want to see this, go over here. Because like the finals for Street Fighter Six had like, I think, 50 chairs. And I think you could have filled up a lot more with how many thousands of people were there if it had been like, here is like, you know, here is a scheduling poster with like, here's what's going on. Right. Like it was all online and maybe they don't feel a like big math by setting that much room for anything except for counter-strike. So maybe that's the case, but everything well, was, was all in one hall. It was halo that. really because counter-strike was mostly in the big IEM arena right. around the corner where like the VIP check-in was. Um, I mean, they did have like some skirmish and I think like the women's CS was right there. But Women's I mean, was in yeah. So, but last, like last Dallas, right? Um, there wasn't Halo, and Halo had their main stage area with seating, and then also a side stream area going on as well. Like they also streamed the Halo main stage on the main stage stream. Where last year, like that was where Fighting Games was, and also the 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 big pyramid thing also takes up a bunch of floor space. So yeah, Fighting Games definitely did feel like they were a little kind of shoved off into the corner. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't like the way that seating was done. For now, the stages themselves were amazing. Like you can tell that they have the esports thing down. Yeah, right. It was like beautiful stages, beautiful effects, cued pyrotechnics, cued smoke. All of that was top tier, and I don't think anybody does it better than DreamHack, especially for the amount of events going on. Like yeah. there's a team for each of those things, right? Like there's people running those for six different stages in one arena. So I think you could kind of consider it cool. It was it just, you know, there's a lot going on, I guess, right? It was, yeah. it was loud and there was a lot going I, on. I do think the difference also on. is the fighting games kind of weren't tied to anything. They were just like the DreamHack event, whereas like Rocket League was the collegiate world championships and all that kind of stuff. So right. That could be another reason why it got a little smaller space than last year. <clears throat> it's the same same arena. It was shifted stuff around. There's like no way it was the same because like it was the it was the same area. The BYRC was in there and the Magic last year. It's the same area, huh? Even mixing where, up where the that? fighting game stuff was, where BYC was last year. Right. Maybe I'm mixing it up with Atlanta, but uh. I don't know. I, I think that DreamHack was well like done, but the magic part of DreamHack was also well done in its own section. My mm. problem was the section was way away from everything else. Yeah. The men's like, restroom was locked behind security. That was the funniest thing of the whole yeah. weekend. 
Well, also they like that on day two, I think. But. You couldn't if you bought like food or drink and tried to bring it in because there's another security line. Like they were like at the beginning, they were telling people like you couldn't bring that in there. It's like I just bought this down da- I down downstairs, right? right. Like, also, right. no food or drink vendors in the magic area. Yeah. Right. Uh, and like, it was clearly. Thank God for the little water. Yeah, the water. Like... The water thing was the was the lifesaver of the weekend. That's for sure. Thank yeah. you, Omni Hotel, for your water service. Yes. Um, and the security people they were doing their job, but also like, I already went through one security line, and now I'm going through another. And every time I have to use the bathroom, I'm coming back through the security line. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And. Uh, you know, no, and, well, you... Then also the kerfuffle of, hey, the RC starts at nine thirty. When are you going to start letting people in? Ten. Not not at nine thirty. Yeah. Uh, just all that stuff is kind of uh, wild. Yeah. The actual tournament organizers were great. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they think... were able to uh, scramble up a separate room for the side events because the RC was massive. Uh, turns out, fun fact, uh, I don't know if you knew this, right, or if it was brought up, but this RC was as big as it was, uh, not only because it's Pioneer, everybody wants to play Pioneer. That's right. But also because the last RC was standard and on Easter weekend. So a lot of people called Wizards and, and asked if they, could, if they could defer their their RC to the next one because of the holiday mm. and wizards did not say from what I, from what I understand, everybody who asked was not told no. So we had on top of all of the people from Dallas, right? RC San Diego was not that big comparatively to Dallas, right? I think it might've been seven or 800 players, right? This was like 1400 players, right? Something like that. 13 or 1400 players. Yeah. Um, so we had a lot of people that did not go to San Diego and just went to Dallas instead. Plus I think one of the big things too is, that. I mean, I think America, like, if it wasn't if if it wasn't DreamHack holding the regional championships, and it was like a tournament series like face to face in Canada, right? I do think the U.S. probably should have two regionals. Right. Yeah. I was just going to ask you guys about that. Uh, maybe, but I mean, if the if we got invites to the Pro Tour based on attendance. I think they cut down the invites right now. There's only 32 invites. Yeah. But they, I think they should scale them on attendance. Sure. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. That's how they used to do things. You know? I, I will say with the magic scheduling, um, the ODEs, I feel like weren't as popping as they could have been. And then like the t- the way they timed the constructed events was like, you got to pick one format to play in with the constructed side events. Like you couldn't like, plan on playing a modern one in the morning and go play like pioneer in the evening, unless you wanted to play like the turbo, like one round and you're done type of thing. The um, side events um, that weren't like a mainstay side event, right? This, that weren't, like, like the, the, like the three, the two, one, the three, two, one was really cool. Sure. 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 Uh, but like the constructed scheduled double, triple regular side events, they were kind of a uh, garbage for prize payout. Yeah. Um, they went with this new idea, which I've not seen done ever before. I guess it was trying to make it easier for judges, but it seemed like it made it harder for judges. Honestly, just worse for everybody overall, which was instead of just, uh, after you're done, 
record equals payout, right? Mm-hmm. They decided to just put seven tickets on the table of every table. Winner gets say, these. Winner, winner gets, gets these. these. Yeah, exactly. And so at the end of the Pioneer event, which was only three rounds instead of four, like it normally is, uh, you know, if you 3 0'd, you only ended up with like nine booster back booster packs worth of product for $20, which was like not a great rate when you're used to like, when you're used to side events grinding at like GPs and at the other RCs and stuff like that. Yeah. You're, if you 4-0 a scheduled event, like you're getting like, you know, close to a box worth of product, at least 24 packs worth. And then the double ups and triple ups are like even crazier. Right. So that's what I'm kind of used to. So especially because this one I was playing a bunch of side events, it kind of like was a little lame to see worse prize payout. And then also like every time you drew, you had to awkwardly call the judge to like somehow make change of the seven tickets to give you both an even amount. Like it was super weird. It might've been eight tickets, right? So it's it was, easy, si- it was like, six. It was six. It was six. Uh, one of them I played had gave out eight. Maybe that was the draft. The the event I played, the events I played that gave out ticks were six. But they didn't give you six tickets. They gave you a five and a one. A five and, so and a you, one. Yeah. When you drew, it was just like, "Hey man, do you got change?" And it's just like, <laughs> "No, nah, I don't got change." It's like, "All right, yeah. let's call the judge." Uh, but like that being said, though, uh, it ran pretty smoothly. I mean, there were some weird hiccups of just like the melee factor of like, oh, everyone's rushing melee, right? Um, Oh, but they did they did really well with that honestly because yeah. they the the last chance qualifiers ran super smooth yep and then the 10k filled so fast well the 10k the problem with the 10k was they had listed a 1400 player cap and then like at some point Saturday night they changed it to be the 409 player cap it finished with right and then but it they filled- then they got a 5k going like yeah a second. i i that's that is definitely a big shout to them for just being like okay cool we'll run it we'll run this 5k as well and i know a lot of players who are in the 10k were like oh one drop go play 5k is that 5k launched like 170 players i think right i think if we if the match moved a little faster i would have had that opportunity as well yeah but uh i took my round one loss got paired to uh, a one Ruckman. That's right. And uh, to keep Atlanta invites uh, alive, conceded. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, it was and fun. Ruck- I enjoyed it. I, I did Ruckman not get to play Ridge. a lot of Magic. Yeah. That's kind of my own fault, though. Uh, I only played one LCQ and saw too many Lotus for me to feel comfortable playing another one. So I just sort of stopped playing side events after that. I also only and, played one of Salty RCQ because I forgot my deck at the Airbnb. You finally did it. You finally, after making jokes, you left your deck. I did. After so many of the decks. Uh, so then I just resolved my weekend to be like, I'm going to play both 10Ks and we're going to do great. Yeah. And then I tilted off the face of the earth um, on the sealed 10K. Uh Losing on turn five and sealed to your uh, your in- own incredible curve out into a 12-12 ward two haste dinosaur to a one of threat and effect in the format in the very first game of the tournament 
that isn't uncommon. Mentally, mentally, that is really hard to rally back from, right? There's only so much heck it we ball that you can muster, right? And that, that was all of it. <laughs> but uh, I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Except for that. Uh, I know. also want to oh, – We're here for you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, uh, I got to play against Servo Token. Yeah, you did get to play against Darren. That's right, yeah. Big uh, big shouts to everyone who came up and said hi this weekend as well. Um it's like I, I love like everyone just even when we weren't talking magic, like, we were just having a great time talking with people. We got to take some of the the out of town crew from the Discord to Bucky's. That was that was great. But it's like having people like stop us in the in like the convention center and stuff like that is always like it always weirds me out. Um at for like not be like, oh don't talk to me, but like it's always like, oh yeah, people do like listen to the show, right? And so like there there is a reason we are there and we're invited as content creators. Uh we met a lot of awesome people, had a lot of sticks, a lot of a lot of in-person swag backs, a lot of great conversations. So uh, if you said hi to us this weekend, uh, thank you. Uh, you you were like probably the best part of the weekend. You definitely talked to all the awesome people about Pioneer. Uh, was in, It was an awesome highlight for the weekend as well. Uh, even though, I, although I don't believe that whoever allegedly, allegedly. Oh, there's a person that did it. They did it. up to Ricky and said that he is the best. I need you to out yourself in the Discord because I don't believe you're a real person. No they one said else is there. That I'm the best one. They, they said Judge, it. Judge Chris, do you think this is a real thing? No one's there to corroborate. Probably, probably. But I, you know, we uh, we have to we have to have evidence. You know what I'm saying? You got to hustle yeah. your evidence. We need uh, we need litigation. We need testimony. We need all these things, right? There's all kinds of things that we're going to need before Chris, Judge Chris can can make a final ruling. Chris and I rocked the cowboy hats for the for the weekend. Uh, I got a lot of like the cowboy hat looks great. Everyone thought Chris is running for Congress. People gave me a lot of respect with the cowboy hat. I'm, I'm going to walk around with this like now. This is now my personality. Um, the cowboy hat is just who I am because people looked at me and was like, oh, he's supposed to be here. He's doing something, you know? Yeah, was, yeah. I got a lot of respect for the cowboy hat. And you got like the full uh, security experience also. Yeah. I got a lot of security experience because I wore a real belt and I was like, Hey, is my belt gonna set this this thing off? And they were like, no. And then <laughs> it definitely set everything off. So like every time I'm going through security, I'm having to take my belt off, looking like I'm about to do some like weird, you know, OnlyFans content here. So it was great. I just walked yeah. through. I did too. I I loved though the first time we went to security and they're like, uh, they gotta check your bags. And we just stood there with our backpacks next to the person they told us to go to. And she was like, what are y'all doing here? Just go. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, they, they had find, certain scanners that you could find my made security a lot better in certain areas. They had the high-tech, like, hey, metal density scanners or whatever. So yeah. that made uh, life a lot easier. And yeah, thanks again, I think, to all the listeners, all the people that came up. I mean, the show's really been popping off recently if you look at some of the download numbers. And, you know, just huge thanks to everybody who's been listening, letting their friends know. However, we've been uh, we've been growing, man. It's really doing numbers. Mm-hmm. True heroes of the weekend. The security guy who blocked the men's bathroom, who just started saying, Hey, just put your bag on the table. Right. I'll watch it. Right. Yeah. Just, we, we ain't got to do this every time. <laughs> That's the true hero. Uh, Jen then, Korean barbecue. True hero. True yep. hero this weekend. True hero of the weekend. Yep. You know, 
Um, shout out to the store that sold me this one piece of paper, <laughs> um, and was like, really? When I offered to buy it as if I was supposed to say, nah, that's too much and walk away. <laughs> You're supposed to do, you were supposed to say best I can do is three fifty. you know? Yeah. Right. You got to pawn stars them a little bit, you know? Yeah. 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 Shout out to Andy's Odyssey for selling us these sick great archive booster boxes. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, also shout out to, uh, hold on. Shout out to Kevin. Our server at Olive Garden on uh Yeah, that yeah. was a great server. He Kevin took pictures. was Kevin was such a baller. And then I was like, I did my classic every once in a while, like somebody who's like, you know, we got a table of six, six, you know, big boys there, Texas size boys. We're eating, we're eating food here, we're eating salads, we're eating breadsticks, we're eating soup, all you can eat. And uh and Kevin was just on top of it, and I'm like, at the end we're ready to roll. And I was like, Kevin, you know, if it's too much trouble, don't don't uh, bother with it. But I was like, if you've got somebody that I can tell what a great job you did, grab him real quick. You know, I'd love to uh, tell him how, how great you did. So his manager came out and he was like, yeah, man, you're the third person today to tell me how great Kevin is. And I was like, I knew it. I'm, these guys just doing uh, doing great business, making you look good. So I know how hard that can be. I'm in a similar, you know, somewhat similar industry. So shout out hey, to look, our boy Kevin there. Let me be clear. I didn't plan on that Olive Garden being like five minutes from Airbnb. That just happened. That's not true. It's very That's true. We planned it. That's very true. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, and then of course, um, thank you to Bear and the rest of the, the DreamHack staff for putting on a great event, making a, a very, everything seamless. I mean, Chris and I, for our streamers, had to look like, we just walked up, told them like, hey, we're here, yeah. and then we were able to just get going. Just get booth um, going. All that was super smooth. You could tell the staff the, was like impeccable. I mean, really. The, like, the staff all, was amazing. Everyone. For all the beautiful stage work, like again, like everything was cued perfectly. It's it's crazy how well run it was in that one room. Like every every you could tell each area like had its own really really well done team, and so um, I was overall blown away. You know, yeah, very impressive. All right, well let's uh, let's get into magic, shall we? Let's do it. All right, so we got five regional championships, and then we're going to talk about the five, the ten k and the five k here. Uh, let's just start things off with DreamHack Dallas. Uh, That's the first one I got up here. In uh, our eighth, fifth or eighth place, we have Erath on Enigmatic Fires. Uh, maybe the full names here. Uh, Elliot Raff. Elliot, Elliot Raff on Enigmatic Fires. Uh, Philip Marr on Azorius Spirits. We have Connor Lean on mono blue spirits and then we have donald sheldon on rack dose sacrifice our top four our third and fourth place we have dwivu on mono green devotion in also third and fourth place we have toff robinson on demir rogues and then in our finals we have matt foreman on rack dose sacrifice and your winner, uh, Bradley Schlesinger on Gruel Vehicles. Good old right. boats. Uh, exciting new boats. I think it's a brave new boats, you know. This is, is this a, topic truly all Canadians? Yeah. What? Yep. Who let them in? Oh, we did. <sighs> Darn NAFTA. That's why... Uh, you and Chris have to qualify for these things. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm but, trying, uh, man. I'm this, trying. Uh, this is a list. I like this list a lot. Very different from what we've been seeing. 
Yeah, so why don't we break down the winning? We're not going to cover every list because there are so many events, right? Uh, but we'll cover like the winning lists and sort of talk about the overall meta top base. So why don't you break down the list for us, Ricky? So we got four Bone Crusher Giant, which is stock for Reckless Stormseeker. We just went all in on three drops with this because we're playing two Migalaws, the Maze Crusher in the main, and three uh, new uh, star to the show here, Voldaren Thrillseeker. I was saying this card was good during preview season. Uh, quick three drop one one with backup two, and it gives the ability to fling, and it can fling itself. And you just use this to close out games, make one of your guys that's huge already huger, and then fling them at the end of the combat phase. It's kind of wild. Three love struck beasts. So we're cutting down to just three love struck beasts, and then of course the eight knucklehead elves that you love to see. Two invasion of Ixalan. Just kind of smooth out your draws, especially give you something to do on turn two if you don't have your elf uh, anymore. Uh, and then one obliterating bolt seems a little weird, but hey, it's here. Uh, four Eskis Chariot, one Sky Sovereign, four main deck, a Crowan War. I think this just looks really well poised to just take on Mono Green and take on uh, Rakdos. Just sort of really. I, I mean- I, that's kind of the plan, right? I mean, we come, we come into this weekend pretty much knowing that Rakdos and Mono Green are, are going to be your top two decks for the weekend. So if right. you just kind of plan on, well, that's going to be like 40 plus percent of the room. So there's half my matches. Right. We got Gigantha as a companion, but we do stop companioning the Gigantha sometimes to play these two Ember Cleaves in our board. Mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, Rending Volleys, Unlicensed Hearse, and the Festivities, Outland Liberator, One Fry, and two copies of the Stone Brain. Kind of wild on the Stone the Stone Brain. Might be might be top like next level thinking. Yeah. Uh, like against like Grease Fang and stuff like that. Surely this card you just want to race out with an elf and see if you can beat them to the punch. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, what else? What else we got in this top end? I mean. Like we're saying, right? Like that's kind of the thing here is there was no Rakdos mid range in the U.S. top eight here. Uh, I mean, you look at the rest of the top eight: you got Enigmatic Fires, very good Rakdos mid range matchup. Uh, Mono Green Devotion. Uh, I lost my bing. I lost my my bingo spot there. Um, Rakdos is kind of looking a little weaker to Mono Green now that they stopped playing cards like Misery Shadow in the main and stuff like that anymore. So now. Uh, Old Girl Troll has text again. Right. Um, Rakdos Sacrifice has always been the Rakdos Mirror Breaker. Uh, Azoria Spirits put up pretty... Mono Blue and Azoria Spirits put up pretty good numbers against Rakdos this weekend. Um, I generally haven't found those matchups to be about as, like, even as the numbers would kind of lead you to believe, but the right draw will always do it. I mean, if you, if you really can stack and set up your your rattle chains and your slip out the backs. That's kind of how you win those matchups. That and, like, decks that go over Rakdos, right, mm-hmm. are generally weak to counterspells. Yes, 100%. So being able to just, like, play Geistlight Snare on Fires or on Bring Delights or Omnath, yeah. right, just being able to play counterspells kind of puts you in a really good spot in this meta. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do we have Rogues? I mean... Why, why is this? Why is this here? One doing? amazing player <laughs> got all the way to the end with Demir uh-huh. Rogues, and they're incredible, and they are a master of their craft. 
Um, nobody else play this deck but them. And uh, and Darren, you can keep playing it, but uh, just don't I, actually. It isn't good. This deck is not good. <laughs> it is uh, okay. There was a there was a glitch on the website for a second, where if you hover the change the equation, it shows off the unicorn uh, from uh, from mom. And so I freaked out a little bit. I was like, oh man, this is the real spice here. Playing cards that aren't even oh. legal format. Yeah, it is. That's weird. That's funny. Uh, I feel the Matthias This deck oh. is... It's not a good aggro deck, and it's not a good control deck, and it's not a good mid-range deck. <laughs> it's medium <laughs> at all three. Let's spend the next 30 minutes talking about how terrible the Brooks is. It's okay. It's okay. It, it just... It just sort of like solidifies what I always say about Pioneer as a format. There are a lot of decks that are on the fringe and that you can leverage good play skill with that deck against your knowledge of the meta to find a way through, right? Which is what this deck does, right? Like, for sure. Yep. So, But also it just plays two children and has a dream. You're not wrong. But other than that, we got Spirits, um, Mono Green. Yeah. Famous, really, really good player, Martin Jusa. Um, you know, a guy who I think had, like, more Grand Prix top eights than anybody for the longest time, if he doesn't still. Um, back when there were these things called Grand Prix, um, pointed out, like, the deck diversity in the multiple top eights of Pioneer. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty incredible to see, you know? All um, I'm saying is... Oh, good. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. All right. Well, I mean, I, I had a whole thing, but one of the points is that with how long this tournament was because of the amount of players, you know, there's just going to be so many decks in the room. You're just, you, you never really know. Um, I do think if you are ever in a situation where you're playing a, a tournament that is this many rounds, um, I do still advocate for worm creativity. I think too many people were off of the worm version this weekend and it gave creativity like a pretty bad win percentage. Because, like, when you play these super long tournaments like this, you really want decks that ride high on the variance, you know? Like, one of the reasons I don't think there's much Rakdos mid-range is, like, that's a deck with a lot of 50-50 matchups. And you're, at some point, you're going to lose a coin flip, you know? Like, you, you, this is a thing that Cedric Phillips said a long time ago when talking about... He was particularly talking about um, uh, Goblin Charbelcher. And he was talking about it with Patrick Sullivan for, like, a Grand Prix Vegas, which was, like, one of the biggest legacy events ever. And it was like, hey, when you have this many rounds, why not play a deck like this? You know, um, play a deck that can really can really spike it up because you're going to need things to kind of go your way anyway. Um, and you can only take three losses. So decks with a lot of 50-50 matchups, um, you know, it's just one more thing against you as far as like, oh, you're more way more likely to run into like some some less positive matchups. You know, I don't know if I really feel that exactly. <laughs> sure. Uh, I kind of think like, about it, you know? a lot of people came ready for Rakdos, right? Sure. Everybody tests against Rakdos. Uh, there's a reason, like, it doesn't top eight here because, like, you see all these decks like Enigmatic Fires and Spirits. Honestly, while it seems to be like iffy on the Rakdos matchup, it's one of those uh, that I believe that if the Spirits player has played enough of the Rakdos matchup, Rakdos player is just like, oh, Spirits just kill their guys, right? Uh, like, it's very easy to fall behind in cards. All it takes is one like end of turn Spectral Sailor. And then you go like curiosity, slip out the backs, and then you're in the clear. You know, I've, I've won the matchup multiple times. It's hard, but you get you can do it. Um, so I just think that like 
in these longer tournaments. I get that. I get that mentality. I don't think it's a wrong mentality. I just think it's a not a good mentality of just the, uh, oh, we'll just play a deck that rolls dice, and uh, if we uh, if we roll high in dice long enough, we'll win, and if we don't roll high dice, we'll be done really fast. Uh, like Goblin Charge Vulture would be. Yeah, I think. Um, so I, I think it's, that it's like more if you if you get if you if you look at the matchup spread spread right like Rakdos mid range is is pretty decent against most of these decks that isn't Rakdos sacrifice right like it's at least a fifty percent win rate. Oh, um, Rakdos cannot beat enigmatic fires. What's that? Rakdos cannot beat enigmatic fires. No, it cannot. Rack you know enigmatic fires has a lot of twenty um, percent under matchups. So like. You know, again, you can kind of you can kind of talk about it from both perspectives. I guess is my point, right? Is it like there are certain decks that 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 fires can't beat, right? It has right. some of the most uh, lopsided matchups of any deck in this matrix, and right. then once we can a top eight, but there aren't any Rakdos mid range. But what did we say about salty modern players showing up with Rakdos because it's the only quote good deck in the format? And we had like a day one, like I think it was like twenty eight or twenty nine percent Rakdos mm-hmm. mid range. So, like, I think showing up to beat Mac- Rakdos midrange is just good enough, right? And uh, Look, All I know is that there are, like, 18 decks in this format, and they're all bad, and they're all just hot garbage. Yeah, right. and- I just think that, like, when Reed Duke yeah. says that he wants to play Worm Creativity, he's not saying that, like, the deck high rolls, right? It's not the same as, like, a Goblin Charbelcher deck, where you're just sort of like, I'm all in, and if I lose on turn one, I lose on turn one. Uh, like the creativity deck plays this long control game that at any point, if your opponent makes a mistake, you can punish by winning the game. Right? Tell me about how you played, uh, you drew in the uh, the Ad Nauseam mirror. What? What'd you say? I said, do you want to tell me more about the time you you went second in the Ad Nauseam mirror? I don't know what that joke is. I've laughed. Very funny. I, 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 I was. Play, I guess I'm saying like you know you don't you don't lose on turn one in this format. I think it's more of like a, hey if you don't draw your creativity you lose right. There's like there's that inherent thing right. of like we don't play. If much you're Chris and never see your phoenixes, that's all my point. Right. That's true. That's true. Is, I never phoenixes. You don't have to draw creativity to win. You play sure. this long control game, and eventually you can either attack with your Hall of Storm Giants and or Dens and or Mutavolts, or you can just cast your World Spine Worm with your treasure tokens like. The deck is, I, I just don't, I don't want that deck compared to something like uh, Charbelcher, right? I think sure. that the the mindset of like, oh, it's a big fifteen round tournament. Let's play some high roll, high variance deck and see if we get lucky is very bad. I think that's a really bad mindset to go into a big tournament with. Not saying that it won't happen. Not saying that you know people don't get lucky, right? But. That's what I'm saying. Sure. Yeah, I think I think I think my point is more that like, hey, going into a tournament with like a bunch of 50-50 matchups that's that long, um, it, it doesn't it doesn't usually prove as as effective, right? Sometimes it does, but um, it's something you've got to consider that like the longer the tournament, the more you've got to consider what your matchup spread is. No, I think I think I'm down for the like, okay, do I want whatever and in like a in like a ten deck meta, would I rather have like seven fifty fifties or would I rather have like Five sixty twenty, like four sixty twenties, sixty forties, or like they're like sixty four, like seventy thirties, rather. Like right, oh, yeah. like I understand. 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying Jesus could take the wheel. I think, I think it's more of like a nuance to the conversation, right? As far as like, it's a point that I heard that I think makes a lot of sense. I think the people out there know what I'm getting at, right? It's not that like, you're just, you know, Boros Convoked didn't do very, didn't do very well. And that's a deck that like, Hey, is just trying to like go off super, super early. Right. Like that is, that is less the point than like considering your matchup spread, you know? I think that just like in general playing the most anticipated decks is going to be a bad idea. Sure. Right, like unless you're most anticipated, I mean, a lot of people deck, spend time looking for that best deck, you know. Uh, if unless your anticipated quote best deck is like actually like Hogak or something that is like completely broken, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're gonna have a bad time if you're just like, oh, Boros Convoke is like the deck that everybody is ready for, and we're still gonna play it. I'm not saying you can't do well, but I'm just saying that when everybody brings in like random Boros Convoke, like authority of the consulate right like you're you're not going to have a good time i I think everybody's ready for the uh whatchamacallit for for rakdos when everybody is like correctly calling that rakdos is going to be over 25 percent of the meta and that we need to go over the top of rakdos i think that the rakdos players are going to have a bad time well i think that's the big difference too is right when they're like you know don't don't set yourself up to like don't mono prepare against the best thing in the format because that's only be how like X many of your matches. I think that's different in like if if Pioneer was like a if Maractus was like a ten percent instead of one deck, right? That's different. You don't want to like spend all your time preparing for that. But when Rakdos is twenty five to thirty percent of the format, like and mono green plus like that plus add mono green to that, that's half the format. Like put Kurt Angle in the mix. Exactly right. Like that's exactly, yeah. That is going to be a majority of your matches, and so I think I think that mentality is different when you look at his meta share of number one decks, the ten percent number one deck versus a twenty plus percent number one deck. I really like to see how much time these um, this group of persons like spent playing Pioneer, because again, you know, some of these decks don't look like they're super insane against like mid range to me, you know. Um, but I do think that they knew the matchups really well, and I really would love to see like. And hopefully we get a chance to talk to some of these uh, some of these people and just go like, hey, how much how much time did you spend playing Pioneer? Um, or are any of these guys some of the modern players we were talking about where it's just like, hey, we just picked up this deck yesterday and went in because it doesn't feel like that. Right. It doesn't feel like anybody who was super unprepared for the event like made it. Um and so I kind of, I kind of, w- I want to know though. I wonder if anybody is like, oh yeah, I played, started playing Pioneer three months ago, um, and you know, hey, we we did this, or how their testing went for it, because you know we've said for a long time that like prepping for Pioneer was going to be lead to better results, right? Like knowing your deck, and you know, as we've all said, Demir Rogues, uh, not a premier Pioneer deck according to us, <laughs> but hey, listen, you hit the right breaks, breaks, you play the deck, you know your matchups. Boom! You might find yourself in the top eight of an RC, right? A fourteen hundred person RC, you For know. Sure. And so I really, I'd really be interested to see how much time was spent preparing for this tournament versus kind of like because we saw a lot of it, right? We saw like I have blocked a lot of people, um, some some pretty famous people who were just like pioneers, terrible, and oh, I was such a stupid game for no reason, you know. Um, and then you know most people are sitting there going, oh, this was this was pretty fun, right? I'm not sure that it's the best format ever, but I think Pioneer's got a lot going for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, oh, also, um, someone did ask you, Ricky, uh, what Patreon um, 
like how much they have to put in the Patreon to get you just to stop just like riding the Phoenix train. Uh, <laughs> and I said I said it starts at two times my annual. Right, 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 right. Two times my annual is correct. Uh, one, you need uh, to have some foil Grand Crusader rings. I was gonna say, yeah, one yeah. one Lorraine CSR. You know, you know. I'm just saying uh, that would be pretty funny. I'm actually, uh, well, we'll talk about that later because I don't have to play Pioneer for a while, but I'll be, of course, keeping on it and stuff like that. Yeah. But I I think that the format it can really reward deck specialization and your knowledge of the meta. I think that Rakdos is this entry point of the format where it's a very strong deck, but as I've said before, if you get a couple of cards ahead in it, it kind of is easy to walk away with the game. So I think that it's a scary matchup, and if you don't play against it a lot and know the nuances of the matchup, then of course you're going to get crushed every time and you're going to feel like it's so unfair. Then you're going to sell all the cards you own so you can afford one Shieldred, two Shieldreds, right? And then buy into Rakdos, and then you're going to get clapped by somebody playing Omnath, right? But if you just stick with your deck, even if that deck is Rakdos midrange, and you learn your matchups and you play everything as tight as you can, you don't miss your Shieldred triggers, you know that Omnath is coming, you know that, like, uh, you know, whatever deck you need to play, what sideboard cards you need to bring in, and, uh, you know, just attack the format like that, I think is way better just in general. Like, that's just how you should be playing Magic, you know? That's yeah, the appeal sure. to play in here. All right, well, let's, uh, let's get things rolling. We got, we got plenty of events to talk about here, so let's move on to Canada here. For Canada's number one. This is what, Toronto? This is Toronto? It's the, yeah. the, Does Canada get two? They get two, yeah. But only only the top eight qualify for the Pro Tour. Yeah. They get, they get two East and West. But it's 16 invites. I will also notice, yes. I just want you guys to note that every member of the top eight of this event... It's also Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. Dang it. We couldn't sneak one in there? No. Totally. Uh, all right. So in our fifth or eighth place, we have Kyle Geller on Rakdos Sacrifice, Dominic Harvey on Mono Green Devotion, Jack Potter on Mono Green Devotion, uh, Daniel Lazinski on Rakdos Midrange. In fourth through third and fourth place, we have uh, Derek Pete, Derek Pite, it's misplaced Ginger, right? Misplaced on, Ginger. Uh, on Rakdos Midrange. Uh, Liam Kane on Rakdos Sacrifice. Uh, our finals are Patrick Wu on Lotus Field in Azorius Lotus Field in second place, and Tio Jacques Griffin on Azorius Spirits. So, look, I'm going to say it was a good weekend for Ruckman decks. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it was a good weekend for Ruckman decks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm sure. Let's talk, let's take a look at our winning deck. Let's real quick. Then I want to talk about. Uh, the Azorius Lotus Field decklist. So, uh, four Mausoleum Wander, four Spell Queller, four Rattle Chains, four Shackle Geist, one Sky Clue Apparition, four Spectre Sailor, four Supreme Phantom, four Gears Possession, four Geist Light Snare, three Lofty, two Slip Out the Back. Uh, still on uh, two Munivault over two of the um, Hall of the Storm Giant. Um, I personally still like Hall over Munivault because uh, very rarely do I feel like Munivault gets through in a meaningful way whereas like with hall you can kind of tap down big blockers and just seven your opponent for the win uh whereas like you don't you're just kind of nugging to get in there um i'm playing brazen borrower versus sky apparition um i think it's a good good kind of swap there generally otherwise though i love this main board i'm so in on this main board 
Uh, sideboard here, we've got two Katilda, two Invasion of Gobacon. We'd love to see the Gobacons here. Uh, even though, of course, Twitter was screaming about this card just being entirely unplayable in Pioneer. Like, don't play it, it's trash garbage, right? Uh, nope. Gobacon, Someone please. Gobacon is great. Play it. Um, so about the back, wedding announcement. I mean, like, this is the sideboard you want. Like, you know, you got your wedding announcement, Rakdos, Skyclave Apparition, uh, Skyclave to help deal with some of, like, the big dumb idiots. Uh, it'll be great in, like, the, the Mono Green matchups where you can try to get, like, Pelucronosis and stuff like that out of the way. Now, I think Mono Green does make Skyclave Apparition relevant again. Uh, so about the back, stuff like that. I mean, this is just a very, very, it, it's stock, but it is there and shows why you want to be playing Azuria Spirits over Mono Blue because the white Ooh. cards are so important. Like, look, Spell Queller, not as hot as it used to be, right? Like, Spell Queller is not the end-all be-all of Tough Magic cards anymore. But uh, if you can snap snap off an Omnath, snap off a Pelucranos, just disrupt your opponent, it is a counterspell that beats down in matchups that you can protect it, and they're not going to get to cast that spell again. Right. I'm with you. Uh, I, I, I like the white splash. People can play whatever they want to play, right? Like mono blue is yeah. fine if you want to play mono blue. It also made a top eight this weekend. You know, you, you've got your arguments there, but you know, I, I always bring up how much I like white and black sideboard cards, right? I think white and black mm-hmm. have the best sideboard cards and, and you, you get a lot of access there. And again, whether or not you play the exact boards from this, you know, if you, if you think you have the beat on a local metagame, there's a lot you can do, you know, um, mm-hmm. you have a lot of access to removal spells, graveyard hate, all kinds of things, particularly in white that you really just don't get out of, out of mono blue. So again, I like having the flexibility. You might not need it, right? You might just go, Hey, I'm playing, I'm playing my mono blue and get my extra man lands. And that's fine as well. I like this. Uh, this top eight looks great. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the, the Azorius Lotus field real quick? This, this is pretty fun. Uh, by that, I mean, we're just going to play. <laughs> uh, this is a miserable, miserable necklace. This, but is, I, I this is exactly this. Yeah. So we got one. So we are Azuri's Lotus Field because we are playing four copies of Strict Proctor. Those of you at home that don't know, Strict Proctor is a 1-3 Spirit Cleric for one and a white with flying that whenever a permanent entering the battlefield causes a trigger ability to trigger, count that ability unless its controller pays two. Uh, so we get to cheat our Lotus Fields into play and say, no, I do not want to pay to have to enter the <laughs> back to, uh, to, to have it to sacrifice two lands. Right. Uh, uh, that, that you that could be counted. That's that's fine with me, right? Right. Uh, otherwise, we're just a, a big mana blue eye control deck. That's fair here of Dominaria, the Watering Emperor. Uh, funnily enough, if you have a uh, oh no, it's not an as it so. What's funny is Wandering Emperor gets around Strict Proctor's um, ETB thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a static, not a an ETB. Um, so you get four Doomscar, three Farewell, one Finale mm-hmm. of Revelation, two Shark Typhoon, four Discontinuity, two Behold the Multiverse, uh, four Memory Deluge, two Juari Disruption. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's neat. Once again, I just want to highlight something that just like, Here's cool things we haven't really seen in Pioneer, right? Something at the RC, right? With Azorius Lotus Field. <laughs> that's yeah. something that's a pretty cool thing. I still can't figure out the art of discontinuity. Like, are we, like, trying to time travel to not cut our fingers off? Uh, can, we get the artist, just, can we get the artist refund discontinuity, I mean, please? 
I'm just like, it's cool art, but I'm like, is it, is it supposed to be like, oh, I'm going to stop you before you cut your fingers off there. Or maybe we're trying to cut our fingers off. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's Lord of the Rings, right? That guy got like, his fingers cut off, I think. Yeah, Sauron did get his fingers cut off. Yeah, A lot of people lose yeah. their fingers in Lord of the Rings, I think. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like Sands the Hourglass. So are the fingers of our lives. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> uh, anything else in the, uh, the Canada RC you want to talk about here besides, once again, just the piles of rack sack? No, no, no. I'm good. We can move yeah. on. Yeah, the rack sack piles. Uh, all right, let's go on to this is the China. China Open. We have Zhi Hao Zhi on Demir Rogues. Zhi Lunjiang on Lotus Field. Yi Yang on Rakdos Midrange. Ming Yang Chen on Monogreen Devotion. Uh, Kiao Shen Zhu on Lotus Field. Wei Wang on Azorius Control. Uh, then we have Shan Ji Hang on Azorius Control. And Jian Wei Liang on Atarka Red. Atarka Red taking down a regional championship. Let's look at this deck list. Chris, want to bring down this deck list for us? Yeah, I got you. Give me one second here. I got to scroll down and get to it. Atarka Red. All right, we've got three Bone Crusher Giants, two Carries of Skyship Raider, one Galia of the Endless Dance. Uh, every day, Galia is shuffling. Okay, let me put it that way, right? Every every day she's shuffling. We've got a Singleton Gore Clan Rampager. The kids are going to have to go look that one up. Yeah, the kids. kids. They don't know about that Gore Clan Rampager. They've never blood rushed in their lives, okay? They don't know about it, all right? For Phoenix Chick, remember we talked about this card when it got spoiled? I think I was a believer in Phoenix Chick. I think I was a, a Phoenix Chick believer at the beginning. I played this card for a week, and then I ran into a Shieldred from the same set and thought I'd never play Red again. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think of the two, Shieldred is probably the bigger impact card <laughs> over the Phoenix Chick for sure. We've got four Monastery Swift Spear, four Reckless Bushwhacker, and then four Burning Tree Emissary. Hey, the audacity. The audacity. Audacity. We've got a one of audacity here and then of course uh four of a kumano faces kakazan we've got a couple instants we've got of course atarka's command the namesake of good old atarka red there um three lightning strike and then of course four of uh play with fire been a everyone lightning strike is a playable card in this format how long does it feel like it's been since lightning strikes a playable card in this format yesterday yeah you know that's right uh hey our girl chandra torch of defiance as a one of in the sideboard, oh, I've been thinking about this card a lot. My 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 hesitancy with it has been it doesn't kill uh, Phoenix Chick's big sister Shieldred, right? You know, mm-hmm. does not kill Shieldred. Nothing does. Yeah, Roast does. Ricky taught me Did that. Roast Phoenix, the yes, joke. Roast kills Shieldred. Yep. Um, so that's pretty cool. Obviously, we're you know a lot of one ofs for what I feel like is a deck that doesn't do a, has a ton of draw power here. Um, so that's a little a little bit wild to me, but man, Atarka Red, what do you guys think? We're we're kind of doing the BTE bushwhacker thing without all the uh, you know without all the convo- artifact nonsense. Yeah, I mean, like Burning Tree into Kari Zev puts puts a clock on the board, right? Um, Atarka's command is just one of those cards that is just like this card is so good, and it just has like obviously it, it made an impact here, right? But it doesn't have like has really made like a lasting impact in Pioneer. I think that's why 
there's still one of the list of cards that are just like, where's this card? Like, why why is no one playing Voice of Resurgence? Why is no one playing uh, Atarka's Command, right? Like, why is no one playing all these cards that are just in their heyday? And, you know, just once again showing that Pioneer isn't the home of Standard's past, it's the home of Fire Design's past. <laughs> uh, I was watching a game in a RCU where in response to a duress, the Atarka red player cast Atarka's command, choosing the modes to deal three damage to their opponent and then put a land into play to put their layer of the Hydra that they had in hand in play, mm-hmm. to which their opponent was like, does that card really do that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> also, another bit of unreadable text, uh, your creatures gain reach. Yes. Until end of turn. With they get plus one, <laughs> they gain reach. Yeah. I've never read that text before. They put that on that card right now to trick me and Ricky into it's not knowing if the creatures gain reach. It's because the limited format is all about dragons. Right. So you use this card to, like, defensively, you can use it to ramp and then block their dragon. Yeah, okay, gotcha. I was going to say, I've definitely seen this card as, like, yeah, you can block other people's creatures. That's how Atarka's commands usually right, use. Right, right, right. <laughs> Why would we Oko other card people's usually, cards? This is the card I usually only see as I handshake over it as I've lost. You know? Like, yeah, right, good game. Right. You had the Atarkus command. Your creatures get plus one, plus one, I take three damage. That's like eight damage off of one card. Yeah, you know, good games, good games. And you can't gain life this turn, maybe, sometimes. Yep. Where are the Ember Focus command power? can block one card from dealing damage? Yeah. Did you know that it turns off Pyroclasm? It does. Anyways, more modes you've never thought of. More modes you've never thought of. Remember, kids, uh, if you have a Celestial Flare, you can use it after combat and before you go to main phase two to kill your opponent's last attacking creature. True. There we go. Uh, all right, anything else this uh, this event you want to talk about decklist-wise before we move on to uh, one of our other RCs? I mean, this is what the Lotus Field was. It was in this one. Uh, Demir Rogues again. Oh, there's another one. There's hold on. There's another Demir Rogues. Yeah, you're not is wrong. That, is it? This is a mistake, right? Brazen Barber. No, no, it is. It is. Uh, it so it's playing Rogues. C double. C, oh, okay, what? This it's kind of hot. Huh. All right. Okay, into the story. You know, you'd think for a deck playing Shieldred should play more into the stories. Right. Two hostage taker in the sideboard. Yeah. Cards on a rogue, though. Just gain eight, you know. It's a pirate. You're right. It's, it's, all right. Let's move on to uh, the Gathering Shroud series. I forget if that is South America or if it is Mexico, or are those just one region? I'm not I'm not entirely positive. All right. In um, uh, eighth place, we have Antonio Guzvaz. On uh, Rona Combo. Fifth, uh, seventh place, we have Daniel Becerra on Ractus Midrange. Uh, let's see, sixth place, sixth place, Jesus Franco on Ractus Midrange. Uh, fifth place, Alejandro Winkler on Orzov Agra. Was this like vampires? It's humans splashing black. Okay, why do we have. Is it playing? No, it's not playing Edgar Markov. Okay, it's just that's just the, the image we used for whatever reason. 
That must be the image that's in place on like whatever they used for that. Orzov aggros, okay. But one general creature, okay. So this is this is Orzov humans, okay. Uh, fourth place, Jesus Solano on Rakdos midrange. Third place, Oscar Vargas on Boros Convoke. It did it. Look, it made a top eight. Uh, second place, Archibald Raziel Sanchez Peralta on Ghoul Aggro. And oh, this is boats. This is boats. And then first place, Jose Escalante on Grease Fang. This is the first Grease Fang we've seen in the top eight, too. This is the first Grease Fang we've seen in the top eight. And it is the only Grease Fang we've seen. So, no, uh, the 5K with, has. So talking with players okay. around on Friday, especially in the yeah. LCQ area, right? Uh-huh. People who qualified on accident or people okay. who qualified and they didn't play pioneer. Okay. The consensus that I got from among them is they either built Rakdos midrange because it's the best deck in the format or they were handed a pioneer deck to play by their friends. And every single one of them that said that was on grease fang. <laughs> okay. So I do think that of the, uh, I think that Grease Fang and Rakdos Midrange, their numbers get a little lowered over the course of this whole weekend just from uh, them being like the quick, easy go-to decks for people that were kind of newish to Pioneer. Sure, that's fair. But I'm glad to see that it was played well here. Yeah. I mean, we get, we get, we get Arona, Arona top eight. Oh, wait, sorry, I, I missed... I mix up Sky Sovereign and Perhelion. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. But, anyways. Hey, next let's, talk, let's talk Rona real quick. Because, I mean, uh, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on the Solitaire Rona deck? I mean, it, it's kind of been, like, popping back up a little bit recently. Um, what, do, what do you guys think overall of Solitaire Rona? Um, you have to counter Tyvar uh-huh. and kill Rona. And that's it. That's, that's it. I, that's I just it. some of them play Karn packages, and that's kind of interesting. Uh, this one's on like the Zerda package, which is kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I think the deck is fine. It just feels like it's got a lot of ground to cover. Sure. Scheming symmetry in this deck. That's kind of oh. wow. Yeah. Did you see the um, the turn two kill that happened with this deck, or at least with uh, Rona build earlier today? I uh, forget. I forget who was streaming, but they had the draw of uh, double Mox Amber plus Alter the Brood plus Rona Retraction Helix, and were able just to turn two kill. Wow! How'd they give the Rona haste? Uh, I forget. Seems legit. <laughs> it, happened. it happened. Seems legit. They cast a uh, collective As legit number. as someone saying Ricky is the best one. You know, that's all I'm saying. That happened. I Sure, uh-huh. Seems legit. All right, and then, of course, uh, we don't have the whole top eight for this, uh, but MMTG Southeast Asia Championships uh, was taken down uh, by Nanthacorn. What? Is this a... Hey, my favorite, 
because I'm I'm looking at uh, some of the Dallas yeah. fights. Somebody put their name in melee as Young Toast. Okay, that's their name. Yeah. Uh, all right. Just was one by Rack of Sacrifice because I don't want to mess up saying pronouncing this name. Yeah. Uh, this rest is so this thing we don't have all the deck lists for. Um, also, this top eight was Monogreen Devotion, Lotus Field, Rackers Mid Range, and Blue White Control. So, another win for Racksack. Yay, Racksack. Uh, all right, real quick, let's go over the 10K and the 5K. So, we don't actually have top eights didn't play out for these because they just said, Hey, you top eighted, here's your money, here's your, oh, your you invite, right? What's up? Top six, uh, so you cut the top 16. The uh-huh. top 16s form two eight-man brackets. Okay. And then you play one match within that bracket, and everybody who wins receives the top eight prize, and everybody who loses gets the top 16 prize. Interesting. Some people are happy, and some people are sad. Is that why some people drew into the top 16? Yes. Okay. Wild. Huh. Okay. All right, um, so then, anyway, top eight here. Uh, Kyle Hendrickson on Rakdos. This is mid-range. They just put combo. Come on, Melee. Yeah, it's mid-range. Come on, Melee. Uh, Michael Graham on Jun Transmogrify. The Jun Pile! It's the Jun Pile! I've been looking at this deck for like three minutes, man. Yeah. You want to talk about it real quick? Yeah. Yeah, I sure do. Okay, we'll come back to it in a sec. Uh, yeah. John Poffer on Boros Convoke. Uh, Will Kowalsik. On Ignamag Fires, Jim Reed on his race control, Kyle Tyree Blankers, Kyle's Blankenship on Rakdos Goblins, actual goblins, hell yeah, goblins, all right. Uh, Kano Sullivan on Rakdos Midrange, and Nicole Dubin on Archfiend Alteration. Another deck we'll come back and talk about. Uh, so Chris, why don't you talk about J- the Jund Pile real quick? Yeah, Jund Pile. Um, this is a this is a pretty spicy one. It, it features one of my favorite cards. Um, from Nuka Penna, that's not one of the, uh, you know, lands or a certain bird um, in Courier's Briefcase. So we've got one Giganta, two Obnicolus, the adversary, three Atraxa Grand Unifier, four Courier's Briefcase, four Asika's Chariot. Another reason I really like this deck, um, the use of that, uh, some of the vehicles there. And then, of course, we've got four Fables, four Careful Cultivation. This is the card from Kamigawa that the big thing you do is you channel it with one and a green, to make a Lana War Elf. You make a 1-1 green human monk creature token with tap to add a green. So it's okay. another way to make a creature token um, in green that you can then, of course, you know, get to our namesake card here, four of Transmogrify, and then a four of Thought Seize with some removal spells. We've got four Fatal Push, two Go for the Throat, and a singleton um, Shieldric's, Shieldred's Edict here. This is another deck that might have trouble um, dealing with Planeswalkers. I have a a Rakdos Transmogrify deck kind of built. I've talked about it a little bit, but we're still trying to figure out how we're going to put that out there if we do it all. Um, but I've been playing a lot of that on Explorer um, into the same thing, trying to get to an Atraxa, and it it obliterates aggro decks. Um, you still play Volcanic Spite. That card hits Planeswalker, which has been really, really good, but this is really, really hot, right? Courier's Briefcase lets you... Um, Make a token. You can also sack it for mana acceleration, um, but also it's got the the five mana effect. You can sacrifice it to draw three cards. One of our lands is a one of the world tree, which is as long as you control six or more lands, lands you control have tap add one mana of any color. So you can reasonably, you know, one cast your Atraxa, right? That's a pretty cute way to just go ahead and say, hey, once I get to enough mana, I'm just going to go ahead and, uh, you know, put some ketchup on it, make it a salad, right? And right. then uh, also activate a Courier's Briefcase to potentially draw three cards instead of one. So 
This this deck's got some hotness going on. The mana base makes no sense to me. Um, makes absolutely no sense, um, especially for like the amount of pathways where like you just need so much red mana, right? But it worked for Michael here, and uh, Michael, if you're out there, you're a baller. Much respect. At one, how many times um, do you think uh, Michael casualty an Atraxa to uh, ultimate Omnixilis for lethal? It, it's come up for me several times. Like, again, when I, I'm doing this exact thing in Explorer with, like, Obnix, Lysane, Atraxa, and it comes oh. up not infrequently, and my joke with it has always been, hey, your opponent's happy because they draw seven cards before they die, right? Nothing's better sure. than drawing cards, and you're happy because you won the game. So it's a win-win situation. So Okay, cool. I, my life has changed. Yeah? <laughs> Have we I'm convinced Ricky on... Rakdos Goblins deck. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, Rakdos Goblins for Ricky. And they are main decking one... Touch of Moon Glove. Does anybody know what that card does? No, read it to no. me. I can't read. Oh, one, this card. One black instant target creature you control gets plus one, plus oh, and death touch until end of turn. Period. Whenever a creature dealt damage by that creature dies this turn, its controller loses two life. You just chain whirler away. You're chain whirler, and then you win. They. They just lose. <laughs> <laughs> he wipes their board and they lose two life per creature. Sorry, Boris Convoke. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, in. I'm not even going to lie. I'm going to be running around it with this. everything because the creature gains death touch, right? So it's just yeah, a board right. wipe. It killed a one-sided. It's chain whirler. Yeah. It um, I oh, mean, man. Like, it just kills, like, even if it just kills Shieldred plus other creature against Rakdos, right? Then they, they lose four life. Like, that's just the game. Oh man, I just bought Legion Loyalist for that awful Convoke deck. I can belt this deck now for pretty cheap. You can also uh, dump all those Legion Loyalists on me and I'll play this deck. No, I want to play this deck. No. <laughs> I want to be Mad Demon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Spartacus. Mad Demon. All right, let's talk about one of the real breakout darling decks this weekend. Uh, I forget what actually event we first saw this deck list pop up in. This is Archfiend Alteration. It's kind of the big, like I said, kind of breakout deck this weekend. Uh, it's a fun little mid-range combo deck here. We got three Bone Crusher Giant, four Fable the Mirror Breaker, four Archfiend of the Dross, two Corpse of Praiser, one Grove of the Throat, four Thoughtseize, four Dig Through Time, three Consider, one Spell Pierce, one Sensor, four Fatal Push, one Drown the Lock, three Metamorphic Alterations. Those at home who don't know what this card is, Metamorphic Alteration. $10. Is now ten dollars. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> what in a blue for an enchantment aura? Enchant creature as metamorphic alteration enters the battlefield. Choose a creature. Enchanted creature is a copy of the chosen creature. So uh, you might be thinking, what are, what are what do we do with this? Well, if you have an archfiend of the dross on 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 the board, um, who has the effect at the beginning of your upkeep, remove an oil counter of archfiend of the dross. Then if there's the oil counters on it, you lose the game. Uh, well, what you do with that card is uh, you, you pick one of your opponent's creatures and then you say, it's an Archfiend of the Dross now. And then uh, coincidentally, it doesn't have any oil counters. So when you pass turn to your opponent, uh, well, they lose the game. Do not put this on your opponent's Mikolaz, the Maze Crusher. Yes. <laughs> it will not work how you want it to work. What is to say, not at all. Yeah, don't put anything with an oil counter. 
Ricky, you were talking. About, you were talking about a lot of this, this deck this weekend. So, what are, what are your thoughts on this? It was uh, doing really well in day one of the RC. That's where it like was popping off. Uh-huh. I watched a few of the matches of the guy of the people playing it, and like you just sort of play a mid range game, and like you can just win with your Archfiend of the Drosses. Uh-huh. And at any point, if you just have the combo, you just go like Archfiend of the Dross, Metamorphic Alteration, and the game ends. And your uh-huh. opponent has their upkeep. Um, to kill it, their own creature, and like mm-hmm. even if they do that, right? You still have an arch fiend, and they just killed their own creature, right? Yeah. So you're ahead. I just this card. This was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I think it's uh, amazing. Yeah, pretty pretty sweet deck. All right, let's kick it over to the five k, and we'll kind of wrap up our our big sort of suite of RC thoughts here. And then uh, next week will be the last few RCs going on. All right. Um, in eighth place, Tiago Saparito on Azorius Control, Richard Liu on Mono Green Devotion, Alex Banlist on Mono White Humans, uh, Joseph Quartermouse on Abzan Greasefang, Jim Bishop on Abzan Greasefang, Noah Rabin on Mono Green Devotion, Ricky C on Mono Green Devotion, and Harrison Bates on Azorius Spirits. Cool. Oh, look, Aaron and Giada in the Spirits deck list. Hell yeah. Three Selfless Spirit main playing Empyrean Eagle. This is a wild list. Yeah, that's pretty... It's spicy, that's for sure. No creativity... No, uh, no curiosities. No, no, it's pretty much like an updated version oh. of the, like, classic Azorius list. Just We're just all in on the creatures. Yeah. Which has got Lofty and, Sp- and Geistlight Snare. Ooh, yeah. What's this Mono White build? What we got in Mono White here? One Kithian for Ossification. I tell you what, the Deccan Stones were fun to include in my, uh, my Mono White build this weekend. Heck yeah. Yeah, these, uh, these people in the top eight all qualified for Atlanta, so we'll see them there. Yeah. Playing more Pioneer. More Pioneer. You'll see more me there playing more Pioneer. Maybe uh, you'll see us there. Maybe you'll, you'll see, see Ruckman and Chris there. Uh, looking good. That's right. In the neighborhood. But when uh, you're here, you're in Atlanta. I don't have friends. Oh, <laughs> family. I've got Olive Garden. <laughs> I um I mean let's kind of wrap things up here with some thoughts. I I we're not going to really cover it because it is a massive chart here, but if you kind of want to have a general idea of um matchups in pioneer now, um hey, look, I will link the big massive matrix just like we were saying though, please take into consideration that these are a bunch of different events combined which also includes some people who might not be as smooth with the format as generally people would normally be and deck choices uh, built around specific uh, metas in mind. But I think this is kind of a good idea to get a general feel uh, for matchups in the format if you're kind of curious about those things and want to know, like, hey, what matchups should I keep in mind for when I'm looking into picking up uh, specific decks and things like that. So guys, what are your, what are your kind of, you know, fi- final overall thoughts on uh, kind of how the meta looks and just what, what succeeded and whatnot this weekend? Uh, to me, I think that a lot of people came out uh, aiming for Rakdos. Mm. 
and were very successful in defeating it. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think. Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Putting my hat back on. That was the end of my thought. That's how I do my best thinking. Um, I think that like for your RCQs, this gives you a really, really great guide. But I think this, I think this indicates what, what I consider an overall pretty solid health to the format. Um, again, I, I think at your locals personally, like you, you can take whatever deck and tune it, right? Again, I, I think we've seen play rewarded way more than any kind of matchup spread here. A lot of these matchup spreads are pretty even, right? Um, and decks that have more, more even matchups, I think make really, really great choices for, um, decks to master for for smaller events, but as this shows with how many different decks have done well in hundred player tournaments, fourteen hundred player tournaments, you have a lot of decks to choose from, and what you prepare for is going to matter. I think a lot more than anything else. You know, like what your experience level is against some of these decks. I think that's going to be number one, right? I think people that that had a lot of experience did did really really well. Um, and now you, this, this should be a great tool to give you an idea of those matchups. And what do you feel like sideboarding against, right? Like if, if you're going into what is, or what is perceived based on this matrix, uh, like a 10% or 20% or less matchup, how much time do you really want to spend sideboarding for that versus going, Hey, you know, I know what the strategy is and this is what I have to hope goes my way versus preparing for some of those more like 60, 40 matchups that are winnable that again, in a five round tournament, you have to win, you know? Like you, you really got to be X2 or X1 at the end of the day at one of those events. So um, I think it's a really, really big tool on like how you can prepare and, and how you can talk to some of those players on like why they think the matchup is like this. Um, and yeah, I think just a, a great tool going forward for, you know, what most people should be doing, which is prepping for RCQs. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just going to kind of re- reiterate what, uh, what both those guys just said. Um, I, I do think that you have to keep in mind that, um, RC-sized events are not RCQs, and so you are definitely better prepared right now, at least until you, you're heading to Atlanta, to worry about what is the best choice to make for you for a five-round event versus a, like, 10-plus round event. Um, and you need to think and prepare for, you know, um, you, I think you need to be a little more open into preparing and not really fo- focusing in on um, the one or two types of decks that like you need to have a more well-rounded build for RCQs and things like that. Obviously, you know, um, decks like practice, decks like mono green are going to be big potential portions of those events, but um, that's going to be three players versus like a hundred plus 200 players. So, you know, your, your odds of running into those are, are, are lower in these 32 man five round events versus, the several hundred player RC RCs that happened over the weekend. Those are the kind of tournaments where I want to have, you know, at a locals uh, or, you know, under where I want to kind of have game against everything, you know, again, maybe not to mention your 10% or whatever, but I I would be picking a deck to focus on because again, play experience is number one, but obviously if you pick the, if you're picking the old school Neoform deck and to develop like, you know, um, at least especially before some of the updates, you have some extremely polarizing matchups, you know, so, like, you can let it right if you want to, but, you know, hey, pick one of those decks that you think has better matchups for some of the smaller things and learn it, right? Like, spending more time there, this shows you that you've got game against pretty much anything if you pick one of these top 15 decks or so, you know? But you need to know, like Ricky showed me with Phoenix, right? Like, Ricky Ricky really brought me back into Phoenix by showing me, like, hey, here's how you win these matchups, you know? 
And um, having that information, I think, is is real, real important. I think it is. I think it is generally really. I think goes to show also. You know, for all all we think about in terms of the health of the format and just like what really isn't like I think engaging to play against versus like what is or isn't healthy in the format. I think when you look at this matrix and you see that like most decks are like you know we're well under 60%, well above 40% win rates. Like the format is very, very well balanced. It feels like in looking at uh, just win rates overall across the board. And so I think that the pioneer meta because of that is, is very healthy things. Like that. So like you look at this, right. And um, what is the lowest number here? I think it's like, there's a 47 or 40, but model black here is the lowest thing of the deck with a 45% win rate. Um, it's 44.6 or whatever. Right. And your highest win rate is, uh, is it Racksack at 56 point? Yeah, Racksack at 50, 56.4, right? I was going blind looking at that thing. I had it so zoomed in. Um, so, I mean, like, when you when you look at that, like, 56% being the number one deck from that last weekend's big string of events, that's not a dominating performance, right? Like, it's still under 60% win rate for... The weekend, Especially so when I, you consider the fact that like one of its better matchups, like you said, was the most played deck, right? That's gonna that's gonna that's gonna slice heavily into that. Um, as Ricky said, like being prepared for for Rakdos, right? Like there's a deck that we know does really well against one of the top played decks in the room, and obviously that makes sense. We've talked many times before about being prepared, kind of for the deck of of next week, right? Like, hey, you know what the most played deck's gonna be? You can play that deck, but you really should be aiming to beat that deck, which is why I think a lot of the complaining about what you know oh there's no best deck is was kind of nonsense right it was like hey you can play the best deck misplaced ginger top aided with it right it was an option but if you're not going to put the work in you're just going to get preyed upon by everybody who does know the format and was looking to you know prey on that matchup this week so um yeah like i said there's i i agree with you i think the matchup spreads are, are not heinous there's a couple people who have complained but you know again some of the decks that you see with insanely low win rates are like karuga fires versus decks that if you don't interact with them like obliterate you, right? Like if, if you're if you're a slower combo deck than Lotus Field, well, and you don't have interaction, you're gonna lose versus Lotus Field. And we did see a couple people bring decks that are just like either worse versions of other decks in some way, and, and that's absolutely their right. But when you run into some of those matchups, that's a deck that's just better than yours. Um, it looks like there were some there were some, you know, under 10% matchups, depending on how you look at it. But again, if you were bringing some of the stronger decks, your matchup spread looks pretty decent. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's go ahead and run out the episode with the Patreon mailbag. Big support starts for us Patreon, patreon.com slash crew3mtg. We've got several stuff, several tiers available with plenty of rewards going on. And uh, look out in the few in the coming weeks, we're probably trying to plan some stuff. Just kind of expand on what we're offering over there. Uh, I got a bit of a writing bug going on right now, so we might pile uh, some stuff up there. I know Chris is working on some video ideas we're going to throw up on the Patreon. So a uh, bit of a look out kind of as we try to figure out what's going to be on the Patreon versus like what's on the YouTube channel versus what ends up on Twitch and things like that. And of course, uh, now that dream hack is over, uh, video production will be kind of picking up on my end. Uh, so expect uh, some deck text, things like that. I'm going to try to start working on, uh, finally going to put out some of the videos I've been filming with my wife. And then the video version of the podcast will also kind of uh, finally make its way back to YouTube. Uh, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. And of course, 
Uh, all these is possible with your support at Patreon, patreon.com, that's crew3mtg. One thing all of those tiers have available to them is they get access to the Patreon mailbag where you can ask a question that sounds something like this. This room comes from Amal GG who asks, how do you feel about the blue light control deck with Lotus Field, Strict Proctor, and Discontinuity? What mm. a well-timed question, am I right? Uh, <laughs> I didn't actually notice this until I until I was reading this. Uh, but so, um, it, to kind of expand on where we briefly went over it um, in talking about some of the the deck lists uh, from the the Canadian RC, right? Uh, it just kind of feels like I don't want to say it's a weaker blue white control list, but it's kind of like blue white control meets mid range, where uh, you have to really lean into playing like these seven or eight board wipes because you don't have the time to take early turns to censor and absorb your opponent's spells. You just kind of have to like get in a position where you can just survive your opponent just doing whatever they want to for the first few turns until you can get those Lotus Fields with big mana and kind of turn the corner. And when I'm playing a control deck, that's not what I generally want to be doing when I'm playing control deck. What, what do you what do you guys think? I just think that, that makes weaker against like the combo decks. So you can't kill um, Strict Proctor in response to Lotus Field. You can, mm-hmm. but it won't do anything. Right. Because it'll already trigger. Correct. So I think that it's, like, safe. Like, on turn three, if you just go, I'm going to play Strict Proctor, Strict Proctor does not cause anything to trigger, so you will then get priority back. You can play mm-hmm. your Lotus Field. It will get countered by Strict Proctor. And your opponent can Fatal Push then if they want to, but it's too late. <clears throat> I think it's a very explosive deck. And sure. I think that it might be way smarter to stop trying to, like, hold my mana up and hope you do something interesting and better to just, like, I'm going to progress my mana and I've got so many board wipes that I'm just going to keep clearing your nonsense off the board and then eventually win with something stupid. Well, Rick, do you remember, I mean, oh, good. Ricky, do you remember Everflowing Chalice? I do. Uh, tap out blue-white? And tap out blue-white. Mm-hmm. That's I what this deck reminds me of. Like, I think that if this deck had like some of the secret sauce, like kind of like Rick was saying, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's quite got the right game plan, but we've seen tap out control decks before. And like in formats like this, I've been waiting for a deck like this that like, you know, you actually have game against stuff because you can play counter spells if you want to. And you're not just going to get run over by combo decks because you are playing blue. You know, you, you have options there. Um, but there's a, you know, modern exploits Lotus field, uh, a pretty decent bit. There's quite a few fringe decks that I think use the, you know, um, ignoring the sack ability on Lotus field really, really well. And I think Pioneer is really one of the perfect formats for it. And not just a trying to do a combo deck, but to leverage it to cast big, powerful spells. There's a lot of big, powerful spells in Pioneer. So like Ricky just said everything that I was thinking. I can't tell you if that means it's right or wrong. Ricky may be terrified that I said that statement. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I really like what Ricky just said there. It makes a lot of sense to me. I think that like, hey, you know, you're going to be developing the first couple turns anyway. I'm going to just like not hold up stuff that you may not do. I'm going to play my own game. And if you do something, well, then I'm going to wipe the board, you know? Right. Stern proctors suck after you get your Lotus Field in play, right? Mm-hmm. They fly, around. Don't they? Huh? Don't they have flying or a spirit? You no, know, one, three flyer. But it also yeah, like, it makes your opponent's Crocs are really good. It does weird things, right? Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> it does, 
the discontinuity side of things, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. It's really exciting because once you have your Lotus Fields going, they're just they just are better than take extra turn spells. Right, <laughs> right. Because right. you can like if you want to, you can go to your opponent's like upkeep and uh, like end their turn on top of them, right? So they don't right. even get a draw step, right? Right. You can do that and that's fine. Or you can wait for them to try to cast a spell and end of the turn on top of the spell cast, which will exile it from the stack. Yeah. And like now they're down mana and a card and now it's your turn again, right? And so like it doesn't take very long with especially with things like Shark Tornado and stuff like that to like close out the game. Sphinx Trawler seems interesting. I'm not sure about that. Dream Trawler. But uh, you know. That card's correct. That card is great. I think that's one of the most powerful cards. It was the most powerful cards I was reanimating in Godfro's Gift for a while. Like, that oh. card is very, very difficult to kill. And there's not a lot of decks that have ways to kill it. Weirdly enough, uh, Rogues does, because they're playing Shieldred's Edict. But hey, that's a great answer for your... Uh, your well, your, you know, your Strict Proctors died anyway. There's no way. Exactly. It's the only mm-hmm. spell that they, they can hit on it. So you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they can get you a Shieldred's Edict. But otherwise, that card has been very, very impressive to me. Um, it helps draw you cards. It's got a, it's got life like It gains you a lot of life back. Um, so I see, yeah. like the insane, like the insane play of like turn three, strict Proctor Lotus Field, right? Turn four, like Teferi plus, right? Or just untap, go to your turn discontinuity, yeah. Untap yeah. your Lotus Field and another land, and also cast like Wandering Emperor on the Rewind. same turn cycle. Right, <laughs> right, and then it's over. Right, yeah. yeah. I, I think that that's the thing is this 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 deck is when you think about you, when you just think about like okay, cool, they have a lotus field, uh, for their turn four, right? Like, but then you realize like what all that actually gives them access to. Like you're saying, like Teferi easily on turn four with that. No, doesn't even need any additional lands after that, right? Um, or if you have the like a, a fourth land, now you're playing. Discontinued in your opponent's turn. Now you're playing Shark Typhoon out as an enchantment and can just kind of go to town there. You can play farewell and just wipe up everything that has happened and you've had to le- let happen the last turn cycles. Like it, it is, you have to get to that turn four, but once you do, you're pretty easily going to start turning that corner. Right. Exactly. I like the deck. It's definitely it's better than sitting than around and not control. winning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sitting around not losing is not as fun as actually actively winning the game. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for the question there, Amal. And again, uh, patreon.com slash crew3mtg. Uh, any tier you join gets you access to the, the Discord and the mailbag. Of course, also to say, uh, the Discord is free for everyone. A lot of people, I guess, don't realize that I have a link in the episode description of every episode to join the Discord. Uh, so if you heard us talk about the Discord and want to join, um, the Discord itself is free to join. The Patreon members just get like two extra channels, one of them being where we go to the patrons and just talk to them a little bit, kind of see uh, what they want us to talk on the episodes, and then the mailbag channel as well. So um, the Discord is always open for everyone who wants to join. And uh, as long as you're cool, follow the rules, you'll have a good time and uh, join an awesome community. Gentlemen. Uh, anything else before we end things off here and plug socials? It was a great weekend. My voice still hasn't recovered. Yeah. 
yeah, amazing, amazing weekend for uh, for friends, and, and I'm excited to play some more Magic and Grand Archive soon. Grand Archive. You gonna play this weekend? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I have a uh, a client meeting early in the day, but um, I could I could come potentially hang out later in the day. We'll see. Sure. Right. Anyways. Well, jump. Where can they? Uh, where can they find you on the socials? Hey, you can find me on the tweeters at it's underscore Christmas and Christmas has no T. You can find me on Twitter at also Steve. Uh, please follow me uh, so I can make uh, noises a bunch. Find that Ricky is at the best one. Yep. And of course, you, you can find me on Twitter at Crew3Podcast and kind of running things when I have the time to post stuff over on YouTube channel at Crew3MTG. And of course, Ricky does stream at least once a week over on Twitch.tv slash Crew3MTG as well. And keep an eye out. Hopefully I can start getting some stuff going on there. Um, all right. We will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.